Let's pray together. God, we do in fact worship you. We worship you for your heart, for your provision, for your character, for your goodness. We thank you that you have been faithful to us even when we weren't unaware, we weren't aware of your presence in our lives. So God, we thank you that you have walked with us up until this moment. And we have full confidence that you are with us here and now and that you have promised to walk with us into all of our tomorrows. So meet us here, Lord, so that we can see you in a way that we could not see on our own that you would give us a heart to know you and pursue you with everything we have. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen. Well, today we're doing something that we do once a quarter here at Central called Water's Edge Sunday. And Water's Edge is an initiative that is kind of the, the heartbeat, the brainchild of Craig who talked about the people of Israel at a very kind of crucial point in their juncture had come up to the edge of a body of water. It was called the Jordan River. And as they stood at the edge, they had a decision to make whether or not they would leap headlong into a new adventure, whether or not they would cross that river and step into the territory that God had provided for them or whether they would remain back. And when they made that, when they made that step of faith, when they stepped out into that water, God parted that river and they walked across the other side. God gave them, God gave the people of God territory that had not previously belonged to them. That didn't happen for their comfort, for their security, or for their glory. It happened to expand the message and the kingdom of God. And every single time, one theologian says this, every single time the message of Jesus crosses a boundary, it could be a physical boundary, an ideological boundary, a philosophical boundary, every time the message of Jesus crosses a boundary, mission happens. And that's what we're here to celebrate today, the mission of God. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5 together. I'm going to ask the team to go ahead and bring down copies of the scriptures. If you want a hard copy of the Bible, raise your hand. The team would be more than happy to give you one. And we're going to look at page 1031. 1031 Luke chapter 5. So when you look at the people of God at the water's edge in Exodus, they're standing at the edge of the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea and they cross the Red Sea and as a result of that water's edge moment, God wraps whole new groups of people into his kingdom that weren't there before. And when they stood at the edge of the Jordan River, God invites whole new territories, whole new tribes, whole new language groups into his kingdom that weren't there before. And in both of those moments, people stand on the land, and step into the water. The passage that we're going to look at is reversed. These people are standing in the water, and they step into the land. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, at the Sea of Galilee, people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge, see what we did there? At the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. They were literally running out of real estate to have the audience. So Jesus said, we'll let people sit on the shore. I'll go out in the water. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Peter and I am a career fisherman, 
I'm not likely to take advice from somebody who hasn't been doing what I've been doing as long as I've been doing it. So the, the, the Bible doesn't say this, but in the, I'm wondering if Peter is thinking this in the Greek. Hey, Jesus, why don't you stick to the carpentry and I'll stick to the fishing, all right? Well, let's just have everybody stay in their own lanes here. But because of Peter's faith in Christ, he goes, fine, if you say so, I'll do it. Sure enough, he sets down the nets and they catch such a large number of fish in those nets that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. That's a fisherman's best nightmare, right? Like we had a huge haul, but now our boats are going to sink and we're going to lose our business. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. He's so overwhelmed by the power of God that he says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for, Peter, for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. I love this. When Jesus finds them in verse 2, what are they doing? They're washing their nets. When do you wash your nets? When you're done for the day. These guys had already clocked out. They said, hey, we we're up all night. We had a good run. Uh, the fish were not in the place that we expected them to be. So we're just going to tidy up all the gear. We're going to pack it all back in the boxes. We're going to put it in the boathouse. And we're going to take a nap. But Jesus says, I see something that you can't see. I see a school of fish hovering right underneath the surface in an unexpected place in an unexpected time. And when they make this stunning catch, they know that they've seen something miraculous. And Jesus says, you have not seen anything yet. Wait until we go fishing for people together. And when we celebrate Water's Edge Sunday, what we're saying is God is pulling in nets of people on continents that you and I might not ever get to visit this side of eternity. And I want you to join me as we just hit pause, zoom out, and say, what is God doing in the world? And how privileged are we to get to be a part of it? So one thing that God is doing is he's mobilized some of you to volunteer to go on this short-term trip to, to Guatemala. And if you've never been on a short-term trip before, I can't tell you how excited I am for you. The prayers that I'm going to be praying for you as a team is that God would show you something about yourself that you didn't know. God would teach you something about himself that you didn't know. And God would teach you something about the global church that you didn't know. Every single time I get a chance to cross an international boundary, God teaches me something about his movement in the world that I hadn't anticipated yet. Case in point, about 10 years ago, I had an opportunity to visit an Arabic-speaking church in the West Bank. So we were visiting Israel, and then we crossed over this kind of border between Israel proper and the West Bank, and we were visiting a congregation that was worshiping in Bethlehem, the very city in which Jesus was born. And I, very naively, asked a nice older gentleman in the church, I go, so when did your family first hear about Jesus? And in my mind, I'm like, very kind American missionaries probably introduced you to Jesus within the last couple decades. And with a wink and a smile, he said this, he goes, oh, my family's been following Jesus for about 2,000 years. Thanks for asking. No, he didn't say that last time. But he's like, oh, you sweet, sweet boy. You don't get it, do you? <laughs> he's like, we gave Jesus to you. And a lot of times we forget that just because we're, we're the people who are, you might be able to afford the plane fare or that we have like a, a nice, amazing, beautiful structure and a lot of great resources that we are on the bleeding edge of mission. But I think that sometimes God wants to remind us when we go, he goes, hey, I, I, I appreciate your heart. I'm so glad that you're taking this risk. In this trip, I don't want you to give. In this trip, I want you to receive. 
And when we celebrate Water's Edge Sunday, what are we saying? We're saying there's nobody who is following Jesus around the world that we cannot receive from. And over the last two weeks as I prepared for this message, I had an opportunity to receive gifts of wisdom and courage and faith and boldness from our partners who are living out the message of Jesus in places uh, that are new to me. So what we did is we asked all of our partners to say, hey, would you consider taking a one-week diary? Just chronicle what God is doing in your life and ministry over the course of a week. Or write us just a brief summary of what God is doing in this season of your ministry. So Pastor Sandy, our pastor who's leading the campus in Jakarta, wrote me eight days worth of journal entries of what God is doing in and around him. He said on Sunday, July the 16th, we had a worship service. We had 81 adults come, and in the afternoon, we shared the gospel with, with young people. You see that he's taken like a, a selfie of them at their church service. That's them meeting in a long, narrow room. Then he went on to tell the story of a family who tragically lost their five-year-old son. And how he had an opportunity to walk with them through their time of mourning. They're not yet followers of Jesus, and he's trying to point them to the hope and mercy that we can find in Christ, in Christ alone, during our times of great need. Uh, there's another shot of them taking their offering so, you know, we have a water's edge day where we, are at the end of our service, we're going to take an offering for people in need. They take a water's edge offering not too long ago. And I believe, Molly, you can help me if I'm wrong, but their typical U.S. offering in U.S. dollars around $35. And on water's edge Sunday, they received, they got $74. So their church, they're meeting in this long room, doubled their giving for people who are in need. Isn't it great? Because they know that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And so these are not strangers on the other side of the world. These are, they're our family. And we are looking to them to lead us to care about the things that God cares about. Then he went on throughout the course of their week. There's some other, other moments, other snapshots that they captured of cell groups meeting in homes and women's ministry. And there is a, the, the director of their board of finance, they gave birth to a child. His name was Miguel Cornelius, and he was in the ICU. He was having breathing issues. So one of the things that they did, in addition to leading all their small groups and their home meetings, is visit him in the hospital as well. So God is doing something in the church in Indonesia, and we have a chance to support it, and we also have a chance to be supported by it. God's also doing something amazing in Cambodia. The church there is called Hope and Life. Uh, the pastor there, uh, Pastor Pana, is teaching us about so many different amazing things. He said, pray for a woman in our church who's got an illness, that God would heal her. Uh, during Sunday, we prayed for this. We prayed that God would give us more chairs. It's like a very, if you've ever planted a church or started a ministry from scratch, you don't take for granted things like furniture. And here we're like the capital of world furniture, right? So they're praying for chairs. And God gave them 50 chairs to use for their worship services. That was, that was their answer to prayer. I love it. I said, what's the challenge that you're facing? He says, well, we live in Cambodia where Buddhism is dominant. Many people who have accepted Christ are discriminated against by their friends or neighbors. So they're kind of got an uphill battle living as followers of Jesus in our culture. So what about God's faithfulness? He goes, I thank God that he's all, always taking care of my family and our ministry here. I said, what's there to celebrate? He said, well, we did the Sunday celebration and we gave thanks that God is bringing people to himself through our sports ministry he says, and the church is going to baptize 10 people at the end of July. So 10 people came to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of what these guys are doing through sports ministry in Cambodia. Now, we're getting a chance to celebrate baptism here as well. And here's what I love about baptism. Not only is baptism a celebration of what 
God has done in my life. Baptism is also a declaration of what God can do in the lives of others. So when we get baptized, I'm saying, God, thank you for what you gave to me. And then when we get baptized in public, we're declaring to anybody who is randomly watching, God can do something for you. Baptism is also a commemoration. It is a remembrance that we are a part of something broader. So those of you who have signed up to get baptized on August 20th, or you haven't signed up yet, but you're going to sign up today, is an act of surrender and obedience and faith. What are you saying? You're saying, I'm a part of something that is global. I am a part of the transnational kingdom of God. And you, in solidarity with people that you might not ever meet until you get to be in eternity, are getting baptized within the same 10-day window. Baptism is a chance that ties us together. Now, Maybe you're not, you've already been baptized. You're not going to get baptized again. But you can grab one of these cards on your way out. These allow you to invite friends and neighbors to our summer baptism on the beach, Holland State Park, starting at 6.30. And if you need an excuse, I love the, the work that our graphics and communication team has done there. There is a beach chair and an ice cream cone. Why? Because we're going to be handing out ice cream at this event. And I think that anything that has ice cream connected to it is a gift of God. And if you don't come, you're turning down ice cream that the Lord has provided for you, and that's boo on you for bad stewardship, <laughs> all right? Like, if the Lord wants to bless you with joy and you turn that down, that's on you. I cannot help you at that point. So if nothing else, be like, hey, there's a baptism. They're like, no, thanks. And they're like, hey, there's ice cream. They're like, I'm in. <laughs> People getting baptized all around the world today. People getting baptized in secret. People are getting baptized in bathtubs, in apartment buildings, in contexts where it is illegal to be a follower of Jesus. I've heard of people in certain parts of the Middle East who are getting baptized in bed frames that they've filled with plastic and water. I've heard of people who are getting baptized in retention ponds and rivers and lakes and country club swimming pools. Why? Because Jesus is bringing people to himself from all walks of life all around the world. It's happening in Indonesia. It's happening in Cambodia. And yes, it's happening here. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote letters, he would thank God for what God was doing in a specific community. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13, uh, verse 13, 15 through 17. He says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Some some of you might say, wow, it's great that God is doing something amazing around the world. What does that have to do with me? Well, Paul gives us a few encouragements here in this passage. He goes, when you see what God is doing around the world, it's an opportunity for you to give thanks. And it's my prayer that when you spend time in prayer, even if you just sit down to bless your food this week, you would give thanks for what God is doing around the world. You would give thanks for our partners here who are leading, Jose and Miriam, who are leading La Roca. You would give thanks for what God is doing with Pastor Sandy. You would give thanks for what God is doing in Cambodia and Indonesia. You would give thanks to God for that, our, those people, because they're not They're not sexy superstars for Christianity. Most of the people who are doing some of the most amazing things for the kingdom of God are doing it in the trenches, in quiet, humble, consistent ways that you will never, ever hear about. But they're deserving of our thanks. 
And then also God says, I want you not just to give thanks for them, I want you to remember them in your prayers. Now, I don't know about you, but my default is just a very self-centered mentality. I had a friend once who said that a member of his family said, I might not be much, but I'm all I think about. Might not be much, but I'm all I think about. And our, isn't that our default tendency? It's like, hey, given an option between, between thinking about myself and thinking about somebody else, I'm always going to go for me. It's not that like we're twisted, dark people. That's just, that's just innate in our wiring. Self-promotion, self-defense, self-protection. God says, I want you to remember others. I want you to remember others as well in your prayers. And then you might say, well, I don't, how do I pray for them? I don't know them. I haven't met them. I'm not in contact with them. Paul gives us a very specific prayer to pray for them. He says, I keep asking that God, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. I don't know about you, but there's not a day in my life where I couldn't use more wisdom than I had the day before. And every single day, I am craving a revelation of God. It's God, will you show me who you are? And here's what I love. He doesn't say, I'm praying that God would give you these things so you can do better ministry. He says, I'm praying that God would give you these things so that you would know him better. But you know him better. Because why? Because any fruit that flows out of our lives for the kingdom always comes directly from a rich, deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do a lot of stuff for God. If you're not connected with him, it's not going to stick. So if you don't know how to pray for our partners, if you don't know how to pray for each other, if you don't know how to pray for yourself, pray that prayer. God, will you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I can know you better? Here's some examples on our, our own continent that we can remember in our prayers. Jim DeWitt, he's in Mexico currently. He leads a leadership development and church planning initiative. He said this for one of the, his days. Pray for the lives, safety, health, and progress of the church planners we work with in Baja, Cal California, Mexico. Many, if not most, of the churches have been robbed. There have been several health concerns in the families of the church planters. There's a picture below of Ivan and his wife in front of me at their church in Tijuana that has been robbed at least four times. Even the watchdog was robbed. Ivan's mother is battling cancer. My teammates next to me in the back are Dave and Peter. You know why these guys have a special place in my heart? Very first mission trip that I ever went on when I was in high school was Tijuana, Mexico. We loaded four, you know, I think 150 kids into four yellow school buses at our church in Chicago. Drove all the way down uh, to, to, to borders in, in Mexico. Actually, I think we were, at a, we were actually in Juarez. But it's very similar. It's border town ministry. And somebody who's got a heart to plant churches is somebody who's inspiring to me. He says this, many of our church planters in our coursework in Tijuana are with a program called Transformation Ministries. Daniel Nunez, a leader there, has a vision to plant 50 churches in Tijuana. They recently inaugurated churches number 30 and 31. 31 new congregations have gotten off the ground in Tijuana, a place that we hear about in the news for all the wrong reasons. And I don't, know you, I don't know about you, sometimes I read the news, I'm like, oh, scary things are happening in North Korea, and oh, there's tragedy, and there's poverty in Tijuana. And the truth is, the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well in North Korea. It's small, mind you, but there are boots on the ground for Jesus there. They need our encouragement and our support. Church in Tijuana is grinding it out through some very challenging circumstances. We have the privilege to call them brothers, sisters, and friends. Another leader, Tamara, who works with Youth with a Mission, they host short-term teams, many of them young people from the United States, and uh, to, to do street ministry, to do visitation, to do prayer ministry, and to do construction. 
They say Monday was a team's fourth day with us. Earlier in the week, they had visited orphanages, rehab centers, given testimonies at local churches, and prayed for addicts and prostitutes. It sounds very similar to the kind of stuff that Jesus did all the time. Here's one line that jumped out at me, and what's stunning to me about this is that she wrote it very matter-of-factly. She says, on day one, our team found a man digging through the trash, gave him water and food, and prayed with him. And it reminded me that there are people who are literally living their lives in heaps of refuse. Now, if we're not careful, we'll look at that from our kind of middle-class American understanding and say, oh, well, that's, that's unfortunate that they are poor. But Mother Teresa said this. She goes, make no mistake. She goes, there are people who struggle with material poverty many times in developing nations. She goes, but there are people who live in our own countries, people who are not resource challenged at all. She goes, but we are struggling with a spiritual poverty, which is why it's so important that we say in, waters, in the Water's Edge Network, what are we trying to do? We're trying to give people holistic care. We're believing that the message of Jesus and the gospel of Christ speaks to every person at every level and every circumstance. Psychological, mental, spiritual, financial, relational. God has something to say about every dimension of our lives. And there are some people, they're following Jesus hard with everything that they have and they are broke as all get out and Jesus cares about their set of circumstances. There are others of us who have more money than we could spend in a lifetime, but we're broke, we're, something's cracked right here. And Jesus has something to say to us, too. She says, on day two, the team finished up their house build for Felipe, Felix, and their two daughters. Felipe earns approximately 100 U.S. dollars a week. 100 U.S. dollars a week working in a factory. Now they no longer need to pay rent, and they can reallocate that money towards their girls' education. If you know anything about children who are at risk or in crisis, you know that education for many of them is a, deal, is a turning point. It's like a boundary that's life or death for them because if they can get an education, they can break out of a cycle of poverty into a world of empowerment. Some of you know I just got a chance to spend some time in Nepal this last spring and we found out that one of the common factors of young women who are most likely to be victims of human trafficking is that they are not educated. When they're not educated, they can't get jobs. If they can't get jobs, they're financially vulnerable. If they're financially vulnerable, then people who promise them money can prey on them in a vulnerable state. When people get homes and can reallocate money towards legitimate education, it can change the trajectory of not just a family but an entire community. Speaking of homes, there's some really incredible people who are doing some housing-based ministry here, right here in Holland. Uh, Bob Van Dyke is a faithful, long-term central family who started a ministry called Taking Root. This ministry buys lots for new home builds, or they buy our homes that require extensive renovation. Because he's a licensed contractor, he's got the experience to train men who are recently released from prison, teach them how to build houses, and give them life skills training. They go through every process of a build timeline, then they sell these homes at an affordable rate to address lower-income housing issues here in Holland. They've partnered with an incredible range of organizations in the area to make sure they are effective. Their executive director said that one of their prayers was, pray for our trainees who have struggled in life and in the program and are needing the love of Christ. Guys like Esteban, Daniel, and Ross. So God's doing a work here in Holland. God is doing a work here at Holland Central, this very campus. 
Craig Reese, I asked him to participate in this exercise as well. And he said on one particular day, last night I was privileged to attend Celebrate Recovery. Well, everything that happens there and everyone we see there remains confidential. To witness people take a stand against life-controlling hurts, habits, and hang-ups never ceases to amaze me. God setting people free never gets old. I had an opportunity to have a phone conversation with somebody today. Yes, please. I, I had a friend call me this week, and she said, hey, last time when you were talking about that message of sin and restoration, you talked about some character issues in your own life. How'd you get help with that? And I was able to tell her, in the last season of my life, I had an opportunity to participate in a step study through Celebrate Recovery. It was incredibly difficult for me. I, I, had to, I had to peel back some layers that I did not want to address in my life. But as a result of fully leaning into that process, God has started a healing and a restoring and a transforming and a maturing work in my life. And if you're at a break point in your life, know that he can do it too. So celebrate recovery every Monday night here at Central. We would love to meet you there. Craig also said this. He says, here's a celebration. I'm celebrating with a woman who emailed me today about a message I preached a few weeks ago from Habakkuk. I'm celebrating that today, in spite of so much suffering, the ever-present who is helping her face the everlasting why. He says, here's a challenge that we're facing. I spent some time praying for wisdom and direction for a new home for our Grand Rapids campus. Torin is knocking on every door and looking under every stone for a new facility for them to meet in. One door, a door we first addressed early this year, seems to remain open. Is God calling us to walk through that? Speaking of the Grand Rapids team, Torrin and company launched the local church this last spring, and this month they're baptizing 11 people for their first baptism. Again, it's absolutely incredible. Every single one of those represents a new life that has been changed by the ever-moving work of God. Now, your grace and your generosity sent people out locally. Do you also know that your presence here physically empowers hundreds of people to digitally join us every weekend. And Jessica Behrens, who oversees our online campus, is letting us know that hundreds of people join us every week with Central Online. She says, here's what I'm celebrating. Every week, team members are able to connect with new and regular people. She goes, we've been able to actually walk with some people in, that, in their journey from watching online to actually becoming physical, regular participants here at Central. And here's one story that I love. She says, one woman said this over our public chat recently. She has terminal cancer, and her only access to church is through Central Online. And hearing Holly LeBlanc's story touched her a lot and gave her confidence even in her situation. So God is touching people that many of them are in different states. Some of them are even in different countries who are finding hope and life through what is happening here. And for those of you who are watching today, we thank you for being a part of our community. Just let me in a quick aside reference the fact that Holly's interview just a couple weeks ago was just stirring and inspiring for me. And if you didn't have a chance to participate in Holly's celebration of life service here at Central just a few days ago, that service is online. You can watch it, you can comment on it, you can share it. If you have people in your life who are going through a difficult time, people who might not have ever even known Holly, please know that her story is a bold and beautiful declaration of the saving grace of Jesus Christ and his redemptive power in our lives. 
even in the face of some of the most challenging circumstances. So if you haven't watched it, go online and watch it. If you haven't shared it, share it with somebody that you care about because I think that it will inspire them and draw them closer to the heart of God. Now, reading these dispatches from all of these different places, from the six campuses that we include in our network to all of our other many partners who are doing great things both here and around the world, it was like a satellite shot of God's work in real time. And it reminded me of this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 10. It says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. Now, my guess is that none of us have been imprisoned, beaten, or thrown in the middle of a riot for our faith, but make no mistake— Friends of ours go through those kind of circumstances on a regular basis. In hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine, yet regarded as imposters, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. You know what this sounds like? This sounds like Paul and his partners reciting their wedding vows to the kingdom, doesn't it? Like good days, bad days, sickness, health, plenty, and want. Together, we are all in. And that's a commitment that I want you to make. Not just to this individualized expression of the body, but to the global church to be able to say, we are with you. We are for you. Together, we remove every hazard that would trip somebody up on their way to Jesus. Now, I want to leave you with this thought. Some of us say, wow, I'm so glad that there are people who are kind of career missionaries or people who are vocational, people who learn a new language and hop on a plane and relocate to another part of the world or people who encourage indigenous church leaders elsewhere. But me, I think I'm good. I think I'm going to, I think I'm just going to kind of bolt everything down right here. I like, I like my life the way that it is. One of my favorite authors said this. He says, Jesus commanded all of us to go to the ends of the earth. He goes, but because we didn't go, he folded the corners of the earth into our cities. And did you know that through the miracle of globalization, you and I can meet people from different tribes, different nations, different creeds, and different languages right here in Western Michigan? And I believe that God is shrinking the world, that God is minimizing the distance through technology and through travel so that we can connect with people that, we ne- that our grandparents never would have imagined that they would meet. And I believe that even if God does not call you out of this zip code, he is still calling you to mission. And mission is what? Mission is every single time the message of Jesus Christ crosses a boundary. And for you, the boundary might be as simple as the property line in your backyard. It might be as simple as the distance that you have to walk from one cube in your office to the next. Or just to walk across the break room at the factory so that you can engage somebody who thinks differently, acts differently, believes differently than you do. 
Because mission is not something that we outsource to experts. Mission is something that every single follower of Jesus Christ is called to embody every day in every way. And the Water's Edge Network is one of the ways, and Water's Edge Sunday is one of the mechanisms that we use to remind ourselves that that's true. So, mission. One of the ways that we engage in the redeeming work of God is through this benevolence offering that we're about to take. The money raised from this offering goes to help families who are in need or families who are in crisis. They may attend Central or they might just be local members of our community. And we see a precedent for this in Scripture. In the book of Acts, we have people who, who are sell, they sell entire properties so that people who are in need can get back up on their feet. People who are stuck can get a vehicle that gets them to work. People who are ill can get the resources that they need to get back up on their feet. And so I want, I want to thank you in advance for your generosity, for your hospitality, for your grace and your compassion. So the team's going to come out and they're going to lead us in a final celebration of the good things that God does. And a line that you're going to hear in this song is, to our God we lift up our voice. And when we think about Water's Edge and we think about what God is doing around the world, I want to remind you this. We might not be singing in the same place. We not, might not even be singing in the same language, but we're all singing with the same intent, the same objective, and with one voice, we lift up the name of Jesus. We thank him for what he has done, and we thank him for what he has yet to do. So let's respond to the Lord through the giving of our worship driven by compassion and the giving of our worship from our voices that are driven by gratitude. Let's respond to the Lord together. About that word, hallelujah, it's a, it's a Hebrew word. It means praise God. And it's been incorporated into many of the languages that I've had an opportunity to worship with around the world. So you worship with people in Hebrew, they'll, they'll sing hallelujah. We worship people who speak Arabic, they'll sing it too. People who speak Spanish, they'll sing that as well. And churches that I visited in Kiev, Ukraine will lift up hallelujah. It's this one word, it's this unifying concept that says no matter where we are, if we have experienced the life-transforming love of Jesus Christ, we have no other choice but to let that hallelujah erupt out of the very core of our souls. So we really do believe today that on every inhabited continent, there are people who we can't see who are lifting up the name of hallelujah with us. And it is an honor and a privilege to be a part of a global movement that said, God is alive. Jesus Christ continues to advance his kingdom in us and around us and even in spite of us. And it's this privilege that we have to lock arms and link hearts with people that we will spend the rest of eternity singing hallelujah with. I want to thank you for your investment in this place and allowing us to, to kind of point us as a church and a movement in a direction that says we want to see where the kingdom is expanding and we want to see God take it to wherever it was that he would lead. So you already heard this in the opening announcements, but we would love for you later to go and look at Central's annual report. You can go online, centralwesleyan.org slash annual report. It's, it's an amazingly done interactive tool that lets you know what's happening at Central, what God has done in and through your faithfulness. We'd love for you to check that out when you have opportunity to do so. If you need a hard copy, the, our amazing team will give one to you out at the information desk. But let me just pray this blessing over you. Father God, Lord over all creation, giver of every broken hallelujah to us, fill our hearts with thanks for what you have done and are doing. Father God, expand our hearts to remember 
people who love you and who are trusting you and are being faithful one inch, one second at a time all around this earth. And Father God, I pray that you would give us the grace to pray for them and to pray for one another that your spirit would expand us as people of wisdom and that you would open our eyes to see you as you are. We pray these things in the name of the crucified, risen, and undefeated Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next week as we kick off a new series. God bless. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time.